This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Hewlett Packard Enterprise, an edge to cloud platform as a service company built to sustainably transform your business. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Prince Albert of Monaco is one of the world's leading philanthropists dedicated to ocean conservation and sustainability. In this episode, Prince Albert joins Washington Post Live to discuss prioritizing global collaboration and developing quote-unquote blue finance in a multilateral and multi-sectoral approach. Let's listen. Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Frances Steed Sellers. Today we're going to be talking about protecting our planet and I'm delighted to welcome His Serene Highness Prince Albert II of Monaco. Your Highness, a very warm welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you very much, pleasure. I'd like to start by talking about your foundation. You've been working on ocean conservation for the past 15 years. Can you tell me about some of the signature achievements of those years? Thank you, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm so proud of what the foundation has been able to accomplish in, in its 15 years of existence. It's now 15 years plus. Um, um, some 700 projects later, uh, 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 for a total of uh, pretty much a hundred million uh, U.S. dollars, um, and we've been able to create extraordinary partnerships with other NGOs, other international organizations, uh, uh, scientific uh, research centers, uh, and and the list goes on and goes on. Um, it's of course the foundation was geared toward. Uh, environmental issues and, and um, sustainable uh, development uh, and with a focus, of course, on developing countries, on both polar regions, on uh, the Mediterranean, that uh, we've had projects all over the world, uh, and not only on oceans, on uh, also the fight against desertification, um, on water issues, access to water, water management. And then pr the protection of biodiversity as a whole, uh, be it uh, on land or at sea. And uh, so this has led us to, to uh, you know, answer to different uh, urgencies, and, but also, and, and work alongside our partners and our donors, but also uh, in more recent years to initiate our own projects and, and uh, launch our own initiatives. And so I think it's, it's Heartwarming to see that the, the well the the welcome that we've received from the international environmental community, but uh, but also from uh, different institutions and different uh, and different scientists that that have uh, really expressed their 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 trust in the foundation and our ability to mobilize different energies to to uh, carry out uh, different initiatives and different projects. And there are so many things that we have done and that we still need to do. But some of the great uh, success stories have, have to do with biodiversity. And we were able, uh, for, for instance, uh, pretty early on to uh, uh, join forces with WWF to, uh, and other organizations to uh, try to protect different species like emblematic species like the bluefin tuna, uh, where we were not able to put it under protected status. Uh, our efforts led to a stricter uh, uh, st stricter quotas, I'm sorry, uh, of, of their fishing and, and, and their capture. And, and that led to um, a rebound in the population of 
the bluefin tuna in the Mediterranean. I'd love to take a step back and ask you about the inspiration in 2006 to found the foundation on what was, I think, the centenary of your great-great-grandfather's famous trip north? Well, we know it was, it was different things. I, I had, I already had the idea to, to uh, create my own foundation and to do something more personal, uh, something uh, more than what uh, my country, the Principality of Monaco, what was already doing in favor of, of environmental issues. And there were different other projects. And so I took the opportunity of this uh, trip to the, to the North Pole and this, this dog sled trip that I had planned with friends to not only uh, gain a better understanding of what was happening in, in that polar region in, in, in the Arctic, but also uh, because it was very close to uh, the last trip uh, that my great-great-grandfather took, uh, the last uh, scientific expedition, sorry, that my great-great-grandfather took uh, almost 100 years ago back then uh, in, in in uh, 1890, uh, sorry, in 1906. Uh, so this was in the summer of 2005. We retraced his route around uh, around Svalbard, around the, uh, the Svalbard archipelago in, uh, that belongs to Norway. And uh, but but then the year after that that spring uh, was that was that dog sled trip to to the North Pole. And so uh, really uh, to commemorate his vision and his extraordinary legacy in terms of his scientific endeavors and, and his uh, love for oceanography and for and and for, uh, for also protecting our planet, even if it wasn't said in those terms back then. But he already uh, saw the need for protecting different areas of the world and and the the, the most sensitive areas of the world. And so it, it's that that kind of was the premise, if you want, that uh, launched uh, my willingness to, to do more for, for our planet and, and, and to try to, to help in the uh, vast and in, in, in the growing movement uh, and uh, to, 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 to try to protect it even better. You mentioned the importance of partnerships and this is clearly an international problem, one that can't be tackled by one country alone. Could you talk a little bit more about the importance of partnerships for tackling this international issue? Well, no one can act alone. Uh, it, it's only by uh, coming all together uh, and to pool different expertise and different uh, means and different uh, uh, energies that, 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 that we can help find the right solutions, uh, not only for climate change, but for uh, all the uh, problems that, that affect our environment, be it on land or at sea. And so um, we would not have been able to do uh, and to carry out these 700 plus projects if we hadn't partnered with, with some uh, organizations and, and, uh, and, uh, and stakeholders that, that uh, have an experience or that had an experience in these areas. And we were kind of the newcomers. I mean, we, we, had, we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do in terms of uh, conservation, but also in terms of, of um, the promotion of, of alternative energies, uh, the, the, the need for more protected areas, uh, and, and uh, the, the importance of, of water issues. But 
um, we needed to have someone that knew the areas that we were trying to deal with that uh, had relays on the ground and that could uh, could really help point us in the right direction. And so I, I, I cannot stress the importance of these partnerships and, and to create a sort of a community of, 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 of well thinkers and, 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 and people who, who want to put their energy and their time in, into these uh, absolutely paramount issues for uh, not only uh, the improvement of, uh, of all uh, ecosystems, be they at sea or, or on land, but uh, for our own survival ultimately on this planet. Yeah, on that note of survival, I'd love it if you could explain, Your Highness, the importance of preserving the oceans and why that is critical for combating climate change. Absolutely. You know, for, for, for such a long time, the oceans have kind of remained outside the scope of, of climate issues. Um, and today, everyone agrees that the ocean is absolutely key in uh, the role that it plays, uh, not only for mitigation, but for the absorption of, uh, of greenhouse gas emissions. And so thus combating climate change. And so I think the, the, uh, the, the very new, the, the, the great news that came out uh, uh, two years ago was the IPCC special report uh, on the oceans and the cryosphere. So oceans and the, and all the uh, uh, colder places on our planet. Uh, and, it, and it gave really precious insights into um, the interactions uh, between oceans and the climate. Uh, so we, 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 we really talk about the global ocean, but uh, very few people talk about the different oceans of the world. It's one global ocean because it's, we're all connected by, by, by this ocean. All the oceans are connected, so it's one global ocean. Uh, so you know that it captures 30% of uh, uh, human-generated uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, so it has reduced the excess uh, heat also that is resulting uh, from, these, from this greenhouse gas effect uh, by some 90% since, since 1970. So um, that, and if you have the knowledge that uh, almost half of the oxygen that we breathe every day and or every second uh, is generated by the ocean. I think these elements alone should be uh, reason enough for us to uh, have to fight for the ocean and, and to make it an important uh, point on the international agenda. And so I think uh, thanks to the, thanks to the IPCC's report, thanks to different. Uh, uh, different partners that have pushed uh, ocean issues to, to the forefront of, of uh, international uh, talks and, and, and it, it, different international gatherings. And uh, the U.S. was very instrumental in, in pushing uh, the ocean forward, and thanks to uh, uh, Secretary Kerry and his time. Um, I think we were able to, to mobilize a lot more energies around Oceans and and make them and make make the the global ocean issue uh, a, a very important point on uh, not only climate negotiations but uh, international fora in general. So I'm very happy that I was able and and my foundation was able to be 
a voice in that uh, in, in in that debate. I think one of the things that people do recognize um, in terms of of the oceans and the importance of the oceans is the way we've polluted them through plastics. How have we been responding? Is there progress that you're aware of in combating this kind of plastic pollution in the oceans? I would say when you mentioned uh, pollution, uh, it, plastics is a huge problem and, 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 and one that, that, is, that has received a, a lot of attention recently, but let's not forget all the different contaminants that are in the oceans and all the, all the, all the heavy metals that are also in the ocean. Uh, and and we, we can only fight one fight at a time, but, but uh, that is also uh, a very severe problem. And uh, we will have to tackle that as well uh, very soon. Some, some already are tackling that. But I think, you know, with, with eight to 10 million tons of plastic going into the world ocean every year, uh, it, it, this simply cannot continue like this uh, because uh, it is uh, rendering our, our different ecosystems in, in our world ocean uh, very uh, unhealthy and uh, uh, do not render the services that they can. Uh, delivered to us, and it's uh, it is also contaminating the food chain and and the very uh, food from the sea that that we consume. And so it is uh, in that respect. But but you, but you can uh, widen the uh, uh, debate as much as possible. Uh, those are the reasons uh, that are enough to to make us react and to find solutions. And some solutions. Of course, do, do do exist not only on the cleanup side, but on the on you know uh, offering different alternatives to plastics, uh, offering different di different solutions in their in the recycling for different plastics. I know not all plastics can can be recycled, but at least let's try to use those that can be recycled in a relatively easy way. It's it's not easy, um, and then. Um, you know, uh, offer the and, and, and just to try to change the demand for uh, for plastics and uh, to, to to see what alternatives there are uh, viably and and economically viable, of course. Are plastics the the main challenge going ahead, or you mentioned heavy metals? If you were to pick one, what what should we be focusing on, and how should we be drawing the general public's attention to those needs? Well, you know, I think it's it, it, it's it's hard to, uh, of course, plastic is is the most visible because of uh, uh, everybody can 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 see and and has seen some wonderful documentaries that that uh, have showcased that, that that this issue is a tremendously serious one, um, and that uh, it is uh, becoming worse every day. Uh, and if we don't do something about that or very soon, right now, and, and we are already do, doing some things, and, and just to, to mention one example that the foundation is doing, uh, we've created this network around the Mediterranean, uh, this, uh, this beyond, it's called Beyond Plastic Med, uh, to uh, link different communities around the Mediterranean to uh, set up different programs to combat plastic pollution. And so uh, 
and that that is uh, is very successful. It, it's on a smaller scale, but it can be replicated in other parts of the world. Your Highness, through your leadership and through your foundation, you've made Monaco a leader in in terms of trying to reverse some of these trends. But how do we make sure that uh, that those sorts of trends are sustainable in other parts of the world, including the developing world, which I know is a concern of your foundations? Well, you know, it's just tr trying to apply very simple um, mechanisms and very simple uh, ways of of living more 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 sustainably and uh, using resources in in a much more sustainable way. And so, of course, the the developing countries are saying, uh, "Hold on, uh, we're we're not." Uh, the big emitters of the world where we 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 are just trying to develop in the in the way that we can and and you're trying to impose the same rules for others of course that's not that's not fair and that's not equitable and and we, we so that's why the leadership of all the big countries is absolutely paramount in the fight against climate change in the fight against uh different forms of pollution uh, and then the fight also, I also think of, of, of course, uh, uh, overfishing. We, 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 we haven't talked about that yet, but uh, that's a huge problem. If you look at uh, uh, marine issues, uh, the, the big fleets, big fishing fleets come from big countries. And it's not the little uh, occasional fishermen uh, from uh, African, for, from an African country, for, for, for instance, uh, who, who makes a difference? It's it's the the big commercial fishing fleets that uh, that uh, catch whatever they can. Uh, it is regulated. It's supposed to be regulated, but there's a lot of uh, of unregulated fishing out there. And so it's all these uh, it's all these issues uh, that uh, if you don't pay attention to them in our developed countries and and how how can we preach uh, what uh, we should be doing in our country to the, the developing countries and so we have to help yes. them through mechanisms and through of course the right funding uh in the in in the appropriate manner to the right channel you mentioned you mentioned overfishing, and I found captivating when I was reading about you, your story of the bluefish tuna, which was actually banned in restaurants in Monaco, am I correct? Yes, that was part of the uh, uh, part of our response to to uh, uh, to cut the demand. If you don't uh, propose something on uh, on your menu or in different outlets, uh, then and if you explain to customers why that is, they they understand, and then there's there's not as much demand for it. Okay, you're you're going to say that the uh, that the number of restaurants in Monaco doesn't make that much a big of a big difference on the on the world stage, of, of of course. But it was I think symbolic enough that uh, it was able to some other towns and cities uh, and even countries also uh, did that around the Mediterranean for until the stocks were able to rebound but there's such a demand as you know for uh, fish the, the the average fish consumption around the world has almost tripled in the last 50 years 
uh, that we, we, we cannot go on uh, in that trend. And so we have to offer alternatives uh, and, and make sure that uh, fishing is done in a more sustainable way. Um, you have made uh, impressive uh, goals to be carbon neutral and also to eliminate uh, single-use plastic, but also to commit to sustainable solutions. Could you talk about that in terms of the opportunities it offers for a small country like Monaco and others? Well, we, we've worked on a lot of different issues, uh, ranging from uh, turning our... our, uh, our uh, services our government services but but also of course uh individuals to uh toward clean clean energy but toward also clean mobility and to offer uh different incentives to buy hybrid or electric vehicles and we have almost now 10 percent of the overall uh, fleet of vehicles in monaco that is either hybrid or electric uh so for a country of less than forty thousand in population. That uh, that's a that's a pretty good that, that, that's a pretty good ratio. Uh, we also worked and we we, we have an an energy uh, tr transition plan uh, that will enable us not not only to turn force more toward uh, re renewable energies and solar is a big part of that, uh, but also to uh, uh, connect more buildings to our uh, phallosothermal loop, which as you know, uh, getting uh, uh, heat exchange pumps from uh, heat exchange seawater pumps, uh, that is a technology that is well known and that has been in place in some buildings in Monaco for the last 50 years. Um, and then uh, to work of course on, uh, on greener buildings and on uh, positive energy buildings. And that's the, Really, a very important part of our uh, of our carbon dioxide or, or our greenhouse gas emissions scheme, and so you know, and I could go on and on. Of course, a better treatment of our of our waste, uh, and uh, we are looking at different ways of changing our our waste uh, management plant, and so all these things combined. Uh, uh, we are still on target right now uh, to the goals that we that we uh, announced and, and set uh, after the Paris Agreement, and that is to have a 55% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 and carbon neutrality by 2050. Uh, most countries have uh, set the same types of goals, but uh, I don't know how many are uh, on still on target. Uh, but I can assure you that uh, we are on target and we will reach those goals. Your Highness, I think I have time for one or two last questions. A study recently talked about potentially drastic changes to Arctic, to sorry, Atlantic Ocean currents. How optimistic mm -hmm. are you, given the work you've been doing for the past 15 years, as we look ahead that we can combat some of these dangerous trends? Well, you know, quite... Uh, Quite simply, um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I, I try to get as many scientific uh, uh, information and, and, and data and advice as possible, but I really don't know. At, at the rate with which uh, the 
uh, ice cap in Greenland is is melting. Um, I have a feeling that uh, that uh, that 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 cold water will uh, have an effect on uh, the North Atlantic currents in in the very near future. And so um, we we just need to uh, go ahead uh, as much as possible uh, in all of our countries with. Uh, our greenhouse uh, gas emission reductions as quickly as possible. Of course, uh, it, it, it's, it's not, uh, the effects are not going to be felt overnight, but at least we will have a, a, a window of opportunity to limit uh, uh, average world temperatures, uh, the, the famous 1.5 degrees that uh, is the target that unfortunately we, a lot of experts say that uh, it, that is beyond our reach right now and, and that uh, the average temperatures will be much higher in the, in the future. But uh, we still have a small window of opportunity to help reduce that or to help mitigate those effects. And so we have to do everything we can uh, to mitigate those effects and to limit the uh, disastrous consequences of, of, of climate change that we are already witnessing. Johannes, I'd love to fit in one last brief question. You've traveled to some of the most critically important parts of the world, the North and South Poles. If you have a message to people that you would like them to take away about those places, what would it be? It would be, um, I've never stopped and, and no, I share this with a, with, with a few people that I've been able to talk to around the world. I, I've never stopped being amazed at, at the beauty of our planet. And if you just look at uh, the places that you love or that you travel to and that made an impact on you, um, try to say to yourself, I want my children and my grandchildren to see that same beauty. And uh, I hope that we will be able to uh, look at our children or our grandchildren in the eyes and say, listen, I did all that I could to help uh, save these beautiful, pristine places around the world and uh, for you to enjoy and for, and for you to uh, be able to, to have a future. Uh, and I, I sincerely hope that we, we, we will be able to tell our kids and our grandkids that uh, because uh, that's the only way it's the only way forward. If, if we keep their, their uh, livelihood and their, and their interests in, in, in mind and, and in our hearts, we will, we will be able to, uh, to win this battle. Johannes, that's an inspiring note to finish on. I hope I shall be able to communicate that to my children and grandchildren. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. I'm sorry, we have to leave it there. That's all we have time for. If you would like to look at future programming, please go to WashingtonPostLive.com. I'm Francis Steed Sellers, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.